Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Tasty Tidbits Podcast. Get ready to receive rich, well-seasoned, and tasteful tidbits to transform your life. Each week, Dr. Tiffany comes to you with inspirational encouragement and thought-provoking interviews to help you revolutionize your walk with God. Are you hungry for more of His presence? Then get ready. And now, your host, pastor, author, and motivational speaker, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tasty Tidbits. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. I am so glad to have you again on another episode of Tasty Tidbits. I'm so excited to have you listening in today for another episode, and I'm excited today to have a very special guest, and his name is Leo Marte, and he's going to be talking to us about building generational wealth, and this is something that all the listeners, that if you're listening in on today. This is something that I'm sure it will bless you on today. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Leo and what he does, and then we'll let him tell a little bit more about himself. And then we're going to get into talking about uh, building generational wealth. And so Leo, he runs an investment advisory firm, and it provides professional uh, CFO services to Christian professionals. They help you plan for the future, invest in your assets. They also help with managing your taxes uh, so that you can honor God and build uh, what they call a generational wealth. And he also currently resides in North Carolina where he and his wife are raising their two beautiful children. He is a certified financial planner, the gold standard for financial planning expertise, and 28% of advisors in the U.S. So welcome today, Leo. Thank you for being a part of this episode. How are you today? Tiffany, thank you for having me on your platform. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience uh, I think this topic is so important and it's, uh, it, it's a conversation that everybody needs to hear in order to get started in their financial journey. Thank you so much. And we're just glad to have you a part today. So would you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Of course. Uh, so as you mentioned, I reside in North Carolina with my family. Uh, I've been in the financial services business uh, for a little over 13 years, uh, all that time working um, large firm environment, um, large investment management companies, uh, and, and, you know, really working in the business of figuring out how to invest people's money, how to help people retire with dignity, how to help people build uh, wealth over time and set their families up for prosperity. And in the year 2020, I decided to start my own firm advising clients um, in a different setting uh, than a large firm set up. I, I was striving to uh, serve primarily believers uh, but also serve a smaller book of clients where I could really go deep and engage families in their journey of wealth building across generations. So I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about that subject because 
uh, for Christians, you know, that have grown in the church, depending on your uh, denomination or your faith background, wealth has had different connotations. And even if you're not uh, a Christian and you're listening to this message, uh, your own background likely dictates your attitudes towards money and wealth building. So this, this is hopefully going to be a conversation to help everyone start with a common baseline, a common ground uh, to begin this uh, journey that we call generational wealth. Yes, and so since we're talking about generational wealth, for those that are listening, just define a little bit to us about what generational wealth is for the audience. Generational wealth is the, the action or, or the set of activities that one takes to move money and values from one generation to the next. So if you're thinking, for example, about some of the biblical stories of the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, uh, inherited some of his wealth from his father. He then passed on some of that wealth or most of that wealth actually to his son, Isaac. And then Isaac passed down that wealth to Jacob. So generation after generation, it was there was an understanding that people would undertake productive wealth generating activities and then set up the next generation to take the baton and build on top of what the prior generation made so that each subsequent generation would be in better shape. So that's what I call generational wealth. Now, I think it's very important to know that generational wealth is not only about money. Money is a very important part of that, but transferring values is actually harder than transferring money. Right. Like if you think about it, if you have something accumulated, whatever it is, you know, to your name, eventually you're going to pass and whoever you leave behind is going to get that money, whether you have a will or whether a judge decides to distribute that money to your family. So transferring money is not that hard. Eventually you will have to do it. But transferring values along the way, preparing your kids, preparing your grandkids to manage that wealth, to make good decisions with that wealth, to reflect your values with that wealth is very hard and takes a lot of intentionality. And that's where most people should be spending their time once they have their main wealth building activities going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I believe that is so important. Um, and just even, in, and we're going to talk about that a little later about even with the children, generational wealth and just um, starting with them early, uh, because that is so important and leaving a legacy. Uh, it's important as Christians in the body of Christ that we do leave a legacy and that we leave not only a spiritual um, wealth to our uh, those that are coming up behind us, but that we also leave uh, monies for the kingdom of God so that others can build the kingdom of God so that others uh, can expand the gospel. And it takes money, <laughs> of mm -hmm. course, to expand the gospel. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> and, and we can even see the evidence early in the church that there were a number of wealthy individuals that funded the trips that were taken to go bring the gospel to areas that I'd never heard about it before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those were the same families that put the money together to build the early churches uh, mm -hmm. to fund the needs of, of the, the impoverished, the, the needy in the community. Uh, so wealth is a tool. It can be used for good and it can be used for evil. It doesn't have a morality in and of itself. It depends on whose hands it is and how people use it. That's so true. And you know, uh, to what degree are Christians living different money principles, do you believe? 
Well, I, I think that when it comes to Christians, the, the, there are certain principles about money management that are universal, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your uh, condition, your background, your social class. There are certain principles that apply to everybody. Live below your means, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, save for the future. Be prepared for an emergency. Right. You know, all of those things, you know, having a diversified portfolio mm -hmm. so that you're not concentrating all of your money into a single risky <laughs> investment. Like right. all those things apply no matter where you come from. Where, where Christianity and the faith and the gospel comes in is to what end are you building wealth? What is the goal? What is the mission? What is the purpose of that money? And it all begins with our relationship with money. So you can either see money as an end or as a means to an end. You can see money as something that belongs to you or something that you're given to steward. And depending on how you look at money, it, will, it would also show in the outcome how you use that money either for God's purposes or for your own purposes. So I think it's really important to begin the conversation when we talk about Christians and money it's really about the heart behind the wealth, not the wealth itself. Mm -hmm. That's so good, you know, um, and it it's all goes back uh, to being a disciple for Christ, I believe, because we have to be good stewards over that, which he gives us. Uh, I love the story about the, the five talents, the diff all the talents. They had a chance to do um you know, good with the money that they were given, but we know um, some of it was mismanaged. And I think that's uh, the way it is a lot of times today. And we have to get to the point of where we manage everything appropriately uh, as Christians and be effective um, for Christ. So that that's, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you bring up the parable of the talents because even though the parable itself used money as a metaphor to explain a deeper spiritual principle, the metaphor still applies when it comes to money, mm -hmm, right? So mm -hmm. depending on how you manage what you have, you will either be given more or whatever you have will be taken away. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. people who are in tune with God's purpose in their life and are smart about managing their money, their talent, their gifts, all around are going to honor God with their entire life way more by consequence, mm. because they're aligned in the way that they're looking at life with what God's want out of, uh, wants out of them. So I think that's why it's so important to really take ownership of, this, of these material gifts that God has given us and being wise stewards of it for his glory. Yes. And another thing that I believe is very important is that to understand that um, it's okay to have be wealthy. It's okay to have money. It's not evil. Um, the scripture tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil in itself. <laughs> and we have to get to that mentality uh, that it's not evil. It's there to be used in order to live life on earth. We can enjoy the money and um, use it wisely and live a good life here on the earth, uh, but also do for Christ as well. But we can enjoy money. We don't have to be poor. We don't have to be broke. We don't have to, you know, be a martyr or all of these different things. But um, it's here for us to be able to use. And, it, and it's, it's not a negative connotation with it. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I think that 
the, sadly, in our culture, in our day and age, um, we glorify consumerism. Mm -hmm. you know, that is that is what people work so hard to obtain is to buy the next you know pair of sneakers or the next luxury purse or whatever that and those things are do not have any negativity associated with them by themselves right but when your whole attitude around money mm -hmm. is about acquiring goods just for mm -hmm. the sake of acquiring them then that's when things start to break apart because you know if that is where your heart is guess mm -hmm. what you will do things that you don't think you would in order to obtain them. <laughs> um, and, and that's the danger. You know, I, I like something you said about, you know, it is okay to enjoy part of what, you know, part of what we gain. And, and you know, the, the Bible also has a lot to say about that. If you look at the, at the wisdom books, specifically Ecclesiastes, you know, it speaks about how, you know, life is very short. Hmm. Life is like a vapor. And for someone who works hard, who gains the means to create wealth, it is perfectly acceptable to enjoy the fruit of your labor, mm -hmm. right? As a matter of fact, the Bible advises you to do so because right. it refreshes you, it replenishes you, it allows you to continue working and building, right? And if you think about, you know, the blessing that it could be to your family to have a wonderful vacation where you all go somewhere exotic, different. And you, and you enjoy yourselves and you refresh, you recharge your batteries and you can come back with renewed purpose. Or, you know, if you are blessed with a lot of, you know, material wealth, you know, taking a portion of that and, and using that for your own enjoyment, there's nothing wrong about that. It's all about balance. It's about mm -hmm. proportions, right? Mm -hmm. If all of your life is dominated by consumption and just enjoying it, like it's going out of style. <laughs> Overconsumption. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but guess what? You know, sometimes yeah. people don't talk about the other side of that coin too. If everything that comes into your hands disappears as quickly as it arrives, because you're just giving it somewhere else, well, you're not allowing yourself sufficient ability to be able to accumulate some of that, be able to provide for yourself, provide for the future, provide for your family, and also build a kingdom and do other things. So I think it's really important to have that sense of balance of uh, that, that all these things we're going to hold um, you know, in, in balance with each other so that we're not overdoing any one of those things. That's true. And that's why it's very important. And that's where you come in, Leo, I believe, is with certified, you know, financial planner, because mm -hmm. you guys go in and do those types of things in order to make sure that you're building that generational wealth and not overconsumption and, you know, giving you that idea, well, maybe you need to try this or maybe you need to kind of save back on this or, you know, um, what are you looking for, like you said, for the future? And it kind of ho it holds you accountable. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, that is the main driver of, you know, people hiring an advisor. You know, mm -hmm. I happen to work with Christians that have been very successful, you know, people in senior corporate jobs that are making substantial incomes or people who are close to retirement and have accumulated a substantial amount of assets. And, you know, they come to me not because they're, they're dumb. They're very smart people. Mm -hmm. There's no way they could have created what they created <laughs> without being very smart. 
But they come to me because they realize that they need a partner, somebody to walk alongside them mm -hmm. to be able to help them manage that. Mm -hmm. In the old times, when you had a wealthy individual, that person usually relied on a steward. And that steward was the person who managed their household and was able to help them manage everything that they had because usually it would be too much for the owner themselves to run it all. You know, having a financial advisor is the same thing. Once you've gotten to a point in your life where you've accumulated a significant amount of material assets, you look for somebody whom you trust, whose values are aligned with yours and can help you manage this on behalf of your family and for their benefit uh, of future generations as well. You know, I, I was just taking a note here because um, I was going to ask you about that. I think that's very good. Why do you say, um, uh, and it might sound, you know, like you can, it's just obvious, but I think this is important. When you when you talk about financial planning, why um, should you choose somebody that's values or align with yours? That is a very important <laughs> part of choosing to work with anyone, right? If you mm -hmm. think about every decision that you make in your life, when you're hiring somebody to do something for you, there's usually an implicit values filter that you apply. So for example, if you go to a doctor, you wanna make sure that that doctor's way of treating you aligns with your beliefs of what health should look like, right? Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who's coming to a doctor and has a more natural approach to healing, and you're mm -hmm. working with a doctor that is heavy on surgical intervention and heavy medication, you're not going to feel happy with the doctor. You're going to be, mm -hmm. you know, like speaking sideways to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. same thing in other areas of your life. When it comes to an advisor, your advisor is probably going to know more about you than you know about yourself mm -hmm. because they're going to know the intimate details of your personal life, of your family dynamics, of your money situation. And that is why it's so important that that person aligns with your values, because otherwise you're just going to be speaking past each other. You're not even going to be talking about the same things in, you know, and when you're having simple, basic conversations. That's why I think it's so important to have that value alignment uh, when you work with someone. Yes. And I was just thinking about um, one of my friends and um, they had someone that was working with them with their finances. And of course, as a Christian, most, you know, um, I believe in tithing. I believe, you know, that, that God gives his first and, and they did too. So the plant, the person that was working with them was like, well, you might want to reconsider if you want to give that much, you know, to, to the church because you need to do this. And they were like, no, you know, I'm not going to, you know, sway on giving that 10%. So whatever we have to do to, to do that, um, we need to do that. And so uh, when you were talking about values aligning, I thought that was just something that um, came to my head. And I just thought to give the listeners that because you have to stand for what you believe in as well as, as a Christian, especially when given to God. Um, you know, even if you're, if you're not a Christian, you have this understanding that, um, you should be able to give. Giving is a part. Of, if you give, you're going to receive. That's just the law. You give, you receive, you know, and um, giving and receiving is very important to understand. If, if we're with the Lord and if we're saying that we believe in giving our tithe, if, you, if you're in agreement with that, some people don't or they give a portion. But for her, it was like, no, I'm not going back on that 10%. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I am glad that your friend at, took that position <laughs> because, you know, it takes a lot of faith to do that too. I mean, I recognize that most people listening to this conversation probably are not there yet spiritually or financially where they mm -hmm. can say, yes, I can part ways with, you know, my 10%. And I, I want to go back to something you mentioned a couple minutes ago about how giving is part of life and giving there's just something about nature where giving is rewarded. You know, generous mm -hmm. people are attractive. They're magnetic. Mm -hmm. they, they, they experience higher levels of happiness, higher levels of positivity. They get more opportunities because people love working with other people that have uh, a positive growth mindset. You know, the opposite being the, the hoarding, hoarding. Mm -hmm. opportunity <laughs> mindset. Right. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. what 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 the gospel does, what the Bible does is just put an overlay over that natural rule that rewards giving mm -hmm. to focus it on the things that matter most. And right. for God, what matters most is, you know, continuing to expand the kingdom, continuing to grow the kingdom, continuing to expand the word. Now, let's be let's be honest here. God does not need your money. Right. God is not the IRS. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> God is not the IRS taking 10% out of your paycheck. Right. You know, you're begrudgingly giving that money because that's the law. And you have to <laughs> right. Pay, right? Um, if you're going to give your money that way, uh, you're probably better off not giving Keeping it. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because God loves a cheerful giver and God is not out to, um, you know, uh, to run a racket to, to take your money to then go do whatever he wants with it. That's not the mindset here. Mm. Now, the, on the other hand, you know, the giving and especially tithing for Christians, it's a step of faith. I mean, in the, in the mm -hmm. economy and the world that we live in, let's be real. Most right. average people really need that extra 10%. But wouldn't you know that every person that I know that is a faithful tither never is lacking money? For some reason, <laughs> you're right. you know, <laughs> right. and, and mm -hmm. my mother used to tell me when I was growing up, my, my mother's a Christian. She raised me in, in the, in, in the faith. And she used to tell me, listen, son, if you cannot live on 90% of what you have, a hundred percent is probably still not going to be enough mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that 10% is not large enough to break you, but it's, it's small enough that if, if you're really struggling with it, there's something wrong with the overall picture, not with the giving itself. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and that's why I've always been a big believer that we need to get ourselves to a position that, that we make that, that sacrifice. And over time, it becomes easier and easier as it's embedded into your life. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned, this is not a racket. This is not the IRS. You know, there's no legal compliance, uh, you know, situation that you're talking about. You know, maybe you start in faith with 1%. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. every six months you go up by one, you go 2%, 3%, four, and then over the course of a year or two, you get yourself up to that 10% as you get races from work, as you, as things start working in your life. And, you know, present it to the Lord and put it in prayer and say, hey, Lord, if you want me to do this, I need you to help me change the attitude of my heart too. So that I'm, so that I'm feeling cheerful, giving you all the resources that I, because everything is his, you know, you have nothing. That's right. <laughs> you know, even the ability to earn and make that wealth, God has given it to you. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that attitude uh, and that fundamental relationship with money helps a lot 
um, crossing that bridge. Yeah, so that was very fortunate um, to be raised uh, in a faith-based church where they talked about the importance of giving. And I remember as a teenager, you know, I would give, give, give. But one time I just said, you know what? I'm not going to pay my tithes this time. I'm just going to, you know, do what I want to do with it. And, um, you know, I'll pay it double up. Maybe I might do it next time. You know, I'll get back on it. And I did that, Leo. And I promise you, it seemed like everything just messed up. I mean, my car needed to be fixed. It tore up. And I was like, God, I am so sorry. I'm a double up. And ever since then, I was like, for me, I had to, you know, say, God, I'm going to give you yours first. And you're right. Every since, ever since um, I've made that decision, God has never let me lack. You you know, I may have not had as much as I wanted at times, but mm. he's always taken care of me. And listeners, he will do that. If you take care of, like he's, like Leo said, he doesn't need your money, but money is a way and an opportunity for when you give, it opens up the door for you to be blessed. Because if you can bless others, then there comes an open up door. And it may not even be financial blessing. It could be spiritual. You know, you may sow a seed here, um, but there may be favor on a business contract that you may need. Um, on the other side. And so it's not, you know, that favor could be more than what the actual money could be because of the connection that God brings you to. And so I think that seed of giving, you giving of your time or, or a giving of your money, that opens up the door for the favor of God to move in ways that we have, we may not have thought that he could have moved. That's right. And, you know, when it comes to giving, um, you know, I think sometimes people just sit there and think abstractly, oh, I'm parting away with 10%. I don't know what's happening here. What's what's going on with this money? But let's go back to the biblical reason why we give. You know, God wanted a society where the poor, the needy, the widow would be taken care of. Right. That the priests could do their job of, of guarding and watching the faith life of the, the church, of, of not the church, the people of Israel in ancient times. And in exchange, the tithes of the people would go to fund those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you and I talk about nowadays, all of these political and economic issues, and we are fighting for, um, you know, the tremendous inequalities that are, that exist in our economy and, and people's ability to succeed. Well, guess what? Giving is a big part of that because giving has mm -hmm. always been a big part of solving the problems that society has that cannot, cannot be solved on their own. Um, and as Christians, we have a, a great opportunity to have a, a front row seat in helping address those problems. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I, I know I was going to cover it a little bit later, but I want to go ahead and ask, you know, why is giving so important to uh, Christian money management since we're on that vein? I think it all, all goes back to, the, to balance. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that when I look at the overall picture of someone's finances, I like to see a, a reasonable balance between enjoyment, taking care of your future self, taking care of your family, and also giving. Now, not all my clients are what you would call devout Christians. Mm -hmm. You know, some of my clients are friendly towards the faith, but they're not, they don't necessarily consider themselves to be faithful Christians. And, and for people that are in that situation, I said, hey, you don't have to give 10% to a church, but start thinking about what are the causes and the things that you're passionate mm -hmm. about so mm -hmm. that you can dedicate some of your resources to solve some of the real problems we have in this world. Because if we, if, if all we do, whether you're Christian or non-Christian is put your blinders on 
and only mm-hmm. take care of yourself, mm-hmm. well, our world is not going to go into a good in a, into a better place, right? That's right. That's <laughs> so right. We're not going to make our communities better. We're right. not going to make our cities better. We're not going to we're not going to leave a better world for our children than the one we received. And that's how I position it. It's all about balance. That's so true. Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna um, stop the episode today, and we're gonna uh, talk again on another episode on the next week about uh, continuing about building generational wealth, and we're gonna talk about the difference between wealthy and being a wealthy Christian. And so, with that being said, Leo, we're gonna stop for today, and then we're gonna pick up on the next time. Thank you. All right. We, God bless you, audience, and we look forward to having you back again on the next episode. Make sure to tune in. Make sure to listen in as we continue talking about building generational wealth. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Tasty Tidbits with Dr. Tiffany Watkins. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany, check out her blog on goodreads.com or visit her website at www.renewedfaithministriesinc.com. Until next time, stay blessed.